You're listening to the Why Europe podcast by Greater Europe Mission, where we explore how God is moving on the continent of Europe and how you can be a part of it. Visit gemission.org to learn how you can join us in prayer, partner financially, or potentially serve in any of the locations that we discuss. My name is Nathan, and I recruit, train, and send missionaries. Thanks for joining us today. Today we discuss the topic of raising kids overseas, truth versus non-truth, and how we see that on the field in Europe. Bethel and Adam Gasho are amazing people, very good communicators. Really think you're going to like this one. Thanks for joining us today. And we've been uh, with Greater Europe Mission for, man. Uh, I always say since 98 since 1998, together. Together. Yeah. Yeah. My family yeah. left for Austria in 1985. I think my parents joined the mission in 1984. Mm. So as an 11-year-old, uh, we moved to Austria, mm-hmm. and where my parents were involved in church planting. And uh, Bethel and I together have been with Jem in Germany primarily, and from some, 99. In, some in the U.S. as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you were an MK. You're, I don't know if you're the first MK that I've interviewed. What's that like growing up as a missionary kid overseas? Yeah, so actually, Bethel and I are both MKs. Oh, yeah. She is an MK with the home mission board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Her parents came to the U.S. from Argentina. That's a totally different story. Right, right. But uh, growing up as an MK, you know, I grew up as a pastor's kid and then a missionary kid, so a PK and an MK. Yeah. And uh, I actually had a great experience growing up. You know, you are uh, probably in the spotlight a little bit from the angle of, you know, supposed to be a good missionary kid or a good pastor's kid. But as an 11-year-old, honestly, I wasn't excited at the time about moving to Austria. Yeah, My whole life was in central Michigan, small town, and we moved to a city of 1.7 million, Vienna, Austria. So I wasn't personally excited to go, but but the experiences we had as my brothers and I and as a family, uh, not only seeing God work in incredible ways and, and just getting to be a part of, of cross-cultural ministry, but just being able to go to new places and see new things and experience new things, learn a new language, new culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many, so many benefits uh, that I experienced growing up as a, as a missionary kid, mm-hmm. um, which really played into my desire to go into full-time missions. Mm. Mm. And your parents were really helpful with that too, being so positive and making it a special opportunity and pointing out what's so good about it. And yeah, they're always very, very positive and with their boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did that come up in conversation when you two met? Hey, I'm an MK, I'm an MK. Yeah. So I, I don't know if Bethel always thought of herself as an MK as much as a pastor's kid. Well, I just know I was different because I was brought up in the States, but in a Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. And so, and my parents were immigrants. So I knew it was different yeah. than my friends at school, but I always lived in the United States. But what I had at home and what I had at, my parents didn't always understand what was going on at school or things that we talked about. But, mm. but yeah, I, I would say when we first met, there was that shared experience as pastor's kids first. As and cross-cultural Cross-cultural ministry. ministry connection, mm-hmm. but also as as Baptists. That's we, true. We both. I, I remember yeah. sitting down actually with <laughs> Bethel in the dining hall at Wheaton College, 
and singing some old hymns that we grew up with, and and we both just we knew every word. You Got know? him. Yeah. And, and, uh, Although I know a lot of them in Spanish as well, so oh, I get confused. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and occasionally I'd pull out a German one, and she wouldn't be able to. Sing oh, you along. taught me on our way to a wedding and coming yeah. to, to Indiana. That was when we were actually starting a date. Um, he taught me. It only takes a spark. Feld Einstein. It only takes a spark in in German. Yeah. So yeah. We can still sing that. In fact, we we could. Oh, do you that weren't now. talking about your relationship. You were talking about the name of the hymn. It yes. only takes a spark. It, oh, okay. yes, but yeah. it, okay, it yeah. did only take a spark, and, and here we are. <laughs> well, a spark a sparks, of teaching really. your German a German hymn. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No, but we had a lot of a lot in common, you know, with those things as well as with a passion for youth ministry a desire that God had given us both at a young age to minister cross-culturally. Yeah. So there was a lot that we had in common that really, besides just enjoying each other and yeah, just having fun. Adam other, made me laugh. Mm-hmm. I still do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so y'all Mostly. met in college? <laughs> yeah. We met, we met our freshman year at Wheaton college. Okay, yeah. Cool. On a blind date. Yes. Really? Yeah. It was really? a roommate roulette date is what we called it. It was so. a floor date. That's so yeah, funny. It was a floor date. Is that yeah. one of the ring by spring schools that... No, it's okay. freshman year. It's just, I don't know. It's just one of those things just to get to know your community. So you invite, your roommate invites someone for you and you invite someone for your roommate and you make it a creative date and right, it's just fine. Right. And we didn't, we hadn't met yet. And so it was truly blind. Like yeah. we didn't know each other. Wow. Okay. But we didn't date until three years later. So okay. yeah, it took, it took me, them three it took years. Me about three years to ask her out again, even though I was interested. It just, I wasn't mm. ready. And I think the Lord was in that too. That's mm. right. Mm. And so y'all, so y'all started dating your junior year. Our senior year. Senior yeah. year. Okay, three years later, right. Senior year. And then what led you to marriage and then the mission field ultimately? What was that conversation like? Because I'm sure plenty of college students listening to this now are, would love to hear that advice of, I don't know, did you have the desire to be a missionary? What did you major in? There's a lot of questions in there, but yes, I would say both of us knew partway through college at least <laughs> That we wanted to go into into cross cultural ministry into missions, yeah. And so, for me, for sure, and I think for you as well, Bethel, we that was one of the prerequisites is that the other person that we were interested in would be somebody who would be passionate about serving overseas. Okay, uh, it was one of those things that I had seen on the mission field a lot of, you know, single people serving on the mission field excited about doing that, and then you know if you end up with someone who's not, then it it just doesn't work. You got to, you know, have that together, mm-hmm. be unified in that calling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, that unity can come later. But for us, I think it was, Hey, we're, we know where we're headed. So, but that said, I remember when we got engaged, uh, I went to go visit him. He was at Black Forest Academy, which I'm sure we might talk about later, but he, he was at Black Forest teaching. And I went out there for Christmas to be mm-hmm. with him and his family in Luxembourg and uh, where his parents were living at the time. And, we got engaged, and I remember right afterwards, Adam was kind of in a funk. I mean, he just, he didn't seem like everything, was, I, I was all like, woo, we're engaged. And he just kind of was quiet, and and uh, yeah, something was different there. And then we just started talking and realized, he's like, what are, you speak Spanish, I speak German, what are we going to do about this? And it just kind of hit, like, we both knew missions, we both knew youth ministry, young adults, or, you know, we just loved youth, but... Okay, so where do we go? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a yeah. given that it's Germany mm. necessarily at yeah. that time. Mm. Yeah, and early on in marriage, then we took a summer. Actually, we took wedding money and and spent a good chunk of a summer in Europe. We visited 
a number of different ministries in, in Spain, in Italy, Czech Republic, Germany, and we're really in a discernment process. Okay, Lord, we, we know you've brought us together. We have clarity on that. We, we know saw you're Austria calling us. Too. Yeah, we know you're calling us into ministry. Now, what would you, um, how would you lead us? How would you lead us together? Give us unity together. Yeah. And he did that. Yeah. yeah. He united your hearts together to say what? What, well, what? what was the next step? Like, just. Well, I'd say he's been uniting our hearts. Emma Vita, as they say in German, just continually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, just because it's not all of a sudden like, oh, everything that we want to do, it's just exactly what, you know, we never have to talk about it. It's yeah. just one decision and that's it. It's just decision after that's decision really after decision and discussion. Um, but that's what's make, made it fun, I think, um, the whole so, journey. Yeah. And Black Forest Academy was was a good place for us to start on the mission yeah. field. We, mm-hmm. were, we both had teaching degrees. Yeah. We both had a desire to invest in young people. Yeah. We could see the strategic nature of of making it possible for for families to thrive on the mission field across Europe. And so investing at Black Forest Academy was was a great place for us to start. Yeah. And uh, but that's not where it ended. No. Mm-hmm. And I love the people at Black Forest Academy. So that they really won me over mm-hmm. running into the students and doing that fun game that we played in in Basel, Switzerland and I just yeah. The students, the people, the staff. So I was like, yeah, I could do this. Yeah. So what is Black Forest Academy for our listeners who don't know? So BFA, Black Forest Academy, is a missionary kid school. Okay. So missionary kid education. Uh, and it doesn't, it's not exclusively MKs, but it's primarily MKs for MKs uh, initially. And, and really kind of throughout, they've maintained that focus. And it's a... Um, boarding school. So there there are dorms. And I would say maybe half the students are dorm students. Half the students live at home with their parents who, who live in the area or might come in. They might be business kids from Basel, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really a, it's a solid school where there's um, great teaching, um, you know, from a, a biblical foundation. There is a uh, good community there is and they discipleship. Make a, they make it affordable for the missionary kids, for the missionaries, because the staff are all missionaries themselves. So they raise support to be there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So BFA is kind of on the cutting edge of missionary kid education yeah. worldwide. So yeah. it's a great place. Yeah. And you went to school there as a kid. And so yeah. what What was, um, so your parents called to the mission field. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love for you to dive into that. So why did they choose Europe? Why did they choose Austria? Yeah, so my dad was a, a pastor of a small Baptist church in central Michigan, and we had a number of missionaries from across the world. And one of those missionaries, Devere and Lee Curtis, were gem missionaries in Austria. They were church planters in Austria, and they recruited my parents to join their church planting team. And I think the first time they recruited them, my, my dad was like, hey, I'm flattered, but no. Mm. And I remember we were up at a uh, Christian camp. We had a little cabin up in northern the UP of Michigan. We were up at a Christian camp, and uh, interestingly, Elizabeth Elliot was up there speaking. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she just, you know, as as she did, just gave a strong challenge toward toward missions, towards giving up everything for God, mm-hmm. and that Come struck on. my parents significantly. And they came away from that evening, unbeknownst to us boys who, you know, were 
there for vacation and, and whatever, uh, they came away thinking God is doing something. How is he leading us? And shortly after that, Devere and Lee Curtis asked again, said, hey, would you come and join our church planning team in Graz, Austria? And my parents said, we need to really pray about this and consider this. Mm-hmm. One thing led, it, led to another, and they really felt God's call to go join that that team in Austria. So mm-hmm. when I was 11, I was the youngest of three. So it's like 11, 14, and 16. Uh, my parents went over overseas with Jem wow. and uh, joined this team in Graz, Austria. Wow. Wow, man. I can't imagine the conversation that your parents had with you and your siblings, 16, 14, and 11, in the, I guess, walking into the, the height of high school or the height of their teenage years. Middle school. Yeah, yeah. I guess the best years of your life, that's what you think at the time, but hmm. um, was that difficult? It was really difficult. I remember sitting down for breakfast uh, at a at a restaurant, which we rarely did. So you knew something was up, right? Yeah. My parents were something was coming, and they sat down with us and explained, "This is what God's calling us to do." Wow! And I remember my mom saying, "But we've decided if any of you say, you know what, this is going to cause me to turn away from God, then we won't go." Whoa! Well, I remember as a, as even as an eleven year old being like, "Come on, seriously, like." I'm supposed to say this isn't, you know, from the Lord. I can't say that, even though in my heart I didn't want to go initially. Wow. But that and already so says a lot. It was, it was cl- actually still a very wise question, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and it was clear to me that, you know, if God's calling us to do this, then I got to trust it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it was it was challenging. My my two older brothers were like, sweet, let's go. This is an adventure. Um, but they never got dropped into Austrian schools with mm. no German like I did. Mm. So uh, that was that was quite a challenge and really one of the most difficult things I've probably ever done, but wow. one of the most growing times in my life. And mm. you know, as I look, think of, of my own experience as a parent and then as I invest in in parents in my current ministry, I just think, man, like don't steal opportunities that uh, from your kids for mm. growth, for yeah. spiritual growth, because I can just see going through challenging times can be such a growing thing. And I experienced so much growth during those years uh, in many ways, but especially spiritually and going through a hard time. God yeah. God showed up and drew me cl- close to him. Mm. I just think, yeah. so just where I enter into the story here, um, yeah. his parents, I think, were a really great example. Just that whole story when Adam would share that with me, that his parents invited the boys. I mean, even in the end, the parents made the decision, right? Like they were still the authority and were the ones caught calling the shots. But I thought it was so neat that they actually invited the boys to speak into it or at least ask them that yeah, question. Yeah. And um and just and to and give then, them say and like say, if this is gonna cause you to turn away from the Lord, like Yeah, like, like what a phrase is that, right? Like, yeah. Wow. And that was really powerful for me for me when Adam shared that story and um and so and just uh, yeah, just the example of parenting and being willing to allow your children to go into a hard place and not backing away from that. And mm-hmm. that was really influential, I think, for us as mm-hmm. parents raising our kids overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I, I'd love to dive into that too, because you had the experience, both of you, of being, you know, I guess MKs. And knowing the value of, and maybe the value, the importance, and the ability to be able to raise kids overseas. And so I guess it didn't really scare you. 
Or, oh, I wouldn't say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Share fear, with us. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> so, which I guess isn't the same as being afraid, but mm. but there is True. definitely a, a fear and trembling, you know, as Paul talks about mm-hmm. um, that that we are not ultimately in control, mm. right? It is the Lord and and what He does. My mom would always say the phrase, "It's not what I do in the lives of my children, but what the Lord does." And and uh, and wow. I think ultimately that's very true. Wow. But we do play a part. We play a major part in yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, but I think where both of our parents <clears throat> set this example, I would say, especially. Um, well, our moms uh, mm-hmm. of of just praying for your children and praying through things, and and that was so. So I wouldn't say it wasn't without fears or, um, yeah, or being afraid ever. But it was just knowing that we could trust in an amazing God that had a purpose in everything, yeah. even the difficult times. Yeah, yeah. And I would say just a few practical things. And I think of some things my parents did, and some things Bethel and I just came to uh, realize were important as we raised our kids overseas. Um, One of them was, you know, my parents, and I think we tried to do this as well, really focused, as Bethel talked about earlier, on on really the positives and the benefits of the life of a missionary Mm -hmm. or the life of, of someone going overseas and just the open doors, a new language and understanding new culture would bring. Uh, just the ability, you know, I think of of my kids now and in, in dropping into challenging situations sometimes, and their ability to to navigate those things uh, because they they know what it is to to navigate an, another culture and and to learn and adapt. And my my daughter sometimes calls it, you know, she feels like a chameleon. And you know, there's there's pros and cons to that sometimes, right? Yeah, you can. Uh, she can adapt and and fit in in many ways. Now, the negative side of that is sometimes you can um, just lose yourself or mm-hmm. just kind of go with mm-hmm. the flow. Question uh, different areas of your identity and who am I yeah. really? But when yeah. you grab a hold of the positive parts of that, you can you really drop into a new job situation or a new place and and learn quickly uh, how things work and understanding people and, and those mm-hmm. kind of things. So my parents always focused on on those positives and we really tried to as well. And and sometimes it was an issue of um, doing fun things, right? Yeah. Uh, that, you know, whether it's, I remember my parents would let me skip school sometimes when we first moved to Austria to go skiing, right? Mm. Like, wow, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. didn't do that back in Michigan, you mm-hmm. know? And so there was some of those kind of things that I think were really, really good. I think from a spiritual standpoint, Bethel and I were talking about this earlier. Maybe you go ahead. Um, what are some of the things that we did with our kids to really help invest in them spiritually? Well, I think one of the benefits that we had was being able to be a part of two ministries uh, when we were in college and then eventually together when we were married uh, with youth. And the the pastors that developed in us as youth staff or youth, youth volunteers and and just this idea of um, a DDP, the the um, definition of a discipled person, is something that we would talk about. And it was the idea of what what did you want the youth to look like when they left your ministry, right? Mm-hmm. That was something we would talk about. What are, what are the values? What are the lessons? What are the 
the places that we want to go. And, and then from there, you work through your curriculum and what you do. And we took those principles and, and thought about that with our children. So when our children are 18 or whatever age they end up leaving your home, what is it that you want them to take with them? Like, what are the values? What are the, I mean, anything from not just scripture, that's definitely foundationally the things, but even things that are important to us and how to live, right? Mm-hmm. Being a good citizen of society. And yeah. so we we had many, that's not just a one and done. Again, it's not a one and done conversation. It's constantly in each phase, okay, this is the phase we're entering now with, you know, when they're, when they're babies, what's important to us? Do we follow their schedule? Do we not let the kids dictate our schedule? You know, mm-hmm. just those kind of things that what was important to us. And then of course, as they're growing up and uh, family worship times and and that sort of like what can we develop and do and what kind of environment can we create that will help them develop into the people that we our desire is our prayers are yeah yeah right? if if we have a good idea of what the end product should look like right we then know okay how can we do what we can what's in our power to help encourage those behaviors or those character qualities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we can't make those things happen, no, right. but we can desire those things mm-hmm. to happen. You know, and some of those things are, you know, we wanted our kids to be um, self feeders when it came to, you know, their spiritual walk with, with Christ. We wanted them to, to know how to and value spending time in God's word. You know, we wanted them to, um, to know how to uh, share their faith. You know, we wanted them to, uh, be able to, you know, think through issues biblically and, mm-hmm. you know, some of those kind of things. And we can't mm-hmm. make that happen, right? We can't make them share their faith at school. We can't make them uh, have their own quiet times. We couldn't, you know, but we could allow for it. We could create an environment for them to grow in that. Yeah. And so. And, and, you know, one of the things that was always important to us was that we aren't the only ones investing in our kids. Right. Yeah. Like, you, you, we can't do it alone. We knew that from our youth ministry days. We knew that. And, and so here we are in a, a pretty secular environment yeah. where there weren't big churches and youth ministries and things like that. We were church planters and, and just from the ground up. And so uh, one of the things the Lord blessed us with was college students who were, who were learning and growing and who we were investing in. And then we would turn around and encourage them or ask them sometimes, you know, just a Oftentimes. sometimes a bold ask. Hey, yeah. would yeah. you invest in our daughter? <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, you know, would you invest in our son? Would you get together with? Yeah, we would our honestly son? say, as we invest in you, will you invest in our children? Don't tell them. <laughs> Don't tell them we're telling you this because, yeah. in, especially when they're in middle school, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, they're yeah. not right. like, oh, mom wants me to go with. No, that doesn't work. So mm-hmm. we'd be like, can you just reach out to them? And, yeah, of but course. There, there was also a time where my son didn't have anything from a youth ministry perspective. And yet he had three, four, five friends, uh, boys his age. We, they were in seventh grade or sixth grade. And, uh, eighth we, grade, actually. Eighth grade? Okay. Yeah. We started a kind of a, a boys' youth group, right? It was mm-hmm. They would come over to our house on Fridays after school and Bethel would make food and these boys loved food. And then we would <laughs> spend some time in, in the Bible together and uh, it was almost a mini youth group. We'd go play some games and uh, these boys loved it. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the fruit in the other boys' lives and actually some yeah. of their families, we saw some of their families come to Christ, which was awesome, but also the fruit in our own son's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here, you know, he didn't have this youth group experience that he would have been in the U.S. in his middle school years, but uh, he had 
something that was, there was investment spiritually in him. And that was critical for yeah. us. Yeah. So the yeah. other thing I think just to take it a different way that was really important with raising our children in Europe was they went to the public school and it was very, very secular, mm-hmm. very post-Christian. People are starting to use the expression pre-Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But where they didn't have any friends at school as far as we knew, well, we knew them all, um, that that were not following Jesus. Maybe some of them would say they were part of a certain church, uh, but they didn't go regularly. They didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. And and uh, You said most of their friends didn't. Well, none of them actually yeah, in their class, class. Some of them were more moral, right? They had certain uh, maybe Muslim friends that were yeah. definitely morally uh, – more kind of at our what we believed in some mm-hmm. of the practices of of growing up as a child um, yeah. or as a youth, but no, none of them that they could share their faith with and be a, an encouragement to each other. So nothing like that, right? Wow. And so, um, but one of the things too in, in the curriculum in in the schools that our children went to, it was I mean it was ridiculous some of the things that they would come home with. I mean, talk about uh, even. Uh, sex ed in school. They started mm-hmm. it in, in third grade, was it? It was third grade, and I think then wow. sixth grade. And then they have like they have a couple levels. Well, I won't go into some of the things things that our kids would come home talking about, but um, we everything was allowed at our table, and we would talk about everything, anything that you that happens in school. We can talk about here, mm-hmm. and and you know, no judgment. That's of course, great. we would want to point them to truth right away, but but not make them feel bad for talking about those things mm-hmm. and shut it down right away or you know let them talk it out and and I think that was really important too to be able to talk about those things because it was pretty crazy some of the things that they were hearing experiencing seeing and yeah yeah and, and to be honest with you I think that it opened up just honest dialogue that we still have with our kids to this day mm-hmm. where things that they're thinking about or things that they hear or read or or see uh, we can talk about it. In fact, I think our phrase was actually, there's nothing our kids can get at school that we can't talk about around the dinner table. Yeah, and definitely. again, it led to some conversations that were interesting, right? And they but, were hard. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, I bet, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they come home with stuff and I'm like, oh, I just want to suppress, I just want to protect them and, and take them out of that, you know? And there, there are a lot of questions. I mean, there were. Sometimes I felt like, are we ridiculous to let them be in this environment? But- we just, and that was something we would pray. We would pray, yeah. Lord, if there's something, if we ever need to take our kids away from this, you need to make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an immense benefit in that environment that they were around. Like, would you say so? Like, I, I would definitely say so. Yeah. It was and, very black and, and white. And it was again, a lot easier. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't without its challenges I'm for sure. sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, and you know, an, another thing that we experienced overseas with our kids uh, in some in some neat ways that were, was a real benefit was. To be able to do ministry alongside of our kids or to have our kids come and be a part of the ministry God was calling us to do. Now, we worked with youth. That opened up some doors. We did a lot of uh, evangelistic youth camps and English camps and different things where our kids got to uh, be there and and hear the testimonies and interact with the teams coming from the U.S. and, and have their own faith strengthened through those times, even at a young age. I remember our son Jacob was probably, man, was he in first grade? He wasn't even in first grade yet. And we had an English camp. And, you know, at the end, there was this opportunity to 
to write something on a sticky note and go put it on the cross and, you know, respond that way. Yeah. And here we are with a, a room of, I don't know, 80 people. And he was the first to get up. It wasn't even for him. Right. But he was the first to get up and go put that thing on the cross. Yeah. And, uh, and that was neat. But, but even like we, you know, I think of a couple of examples, we would go and, and pray on the, on the steps of the Cologne cathedral, uh, the first the first of every month at 7 p.m., we just kind of spread it around and, and people would come and we would pray. And then it led to interactions with people um, with the gospel. And I remember one time getting into conversation with a guy just sitting on the steps there and just sharing the gospel. And we had a, a real kind of natural but spiritual conversation. And we get on the subway to go home and my son Jacob again was 11. And he's like, Dad, how do you just share so naturally and openly about Jesus? Like, that's hard. I'm like, yeah. well, you know, it is hard sometimes, but the more you do it, the more you step out of your comfort zone and, and trust in the Lord and pray, uh, you know, he, he gives you the words to say. And, you know, those kind of moments with your, with your kids were, were just invaluable. And mm-hmm. I just think, man, um, our kids got to see and experience some things and, you know, yeah. we didn't drag them with us everywhere, right? Yeah. We kind of yeah. were, were careful not to overdo it and whatever, but but we also would go do something like that and get ice cream, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so it was, a, it, it was a positive thing. We mm-hmm. um, I went with a team one time to Pol- Poland in 2012 during the Europe Cup, and we did evangelism in the city of Poznan with the Mits. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, those are their gem missionaries. Yeah, great people in Poland mm-hmm. at that yeah. time. And uh, my son J- Jeremiah, our youngest, he was eight at the time. And we were literally um, we'd take a little soccer ball and, and kick it around, and and other people would join us. And then we get into conversations with people. And at one point, I'm having this conversation, just kind of trying to, you know, steer it towards the spiritual. And I think Jeremiah was kind of looking at me, and he was just like, um, "This is taking too long." So he's like, "Hey, hey, can I show you guys something?" And and they're like, sure, these two guys and they spoke English and he he pulled out the bracelet that that Doug had given him with with the colors yeah. of the you know story of God mm-hmm. on them mm-hmm. and he walked them through this whole thing um, and shared the gospel with them um, and afterwards and and these guys were super impressed that this little eight year old kid um, could do that right and afterwards we walked away and I was like I was like how'd you know how to do that and he was like well. The, the bracelet came with with instructions, Dad. I read them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just, you know, to have those kind of moments as a young kid um, were, were great. So, man, it was uh, – we've really um, benefited, and I think our kids have benefited from growing up mm-hmm. in ministry and around ministry, and uh, it's been a real blessing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Bethel, you mentioned black and white, and so how do we compare what the culture is saying is true and then what – you know, the Lord says is true. Obviously, you mentioned that you had influence over your family and that. So what was that like dealing with that in the culture, though? Yeah. 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 Um, I I always want to start with, I mean, prayer constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of prayer. And I think we... Um, Having having times of family in the word, mm-hmm. and it's not always popular. Mm-hmm. The kids aren't always like, woohoo, we get to do that, you know, but you just do it. And you, then you also try to do creative things that are interesting for the kids or maybe a little bit more fun, or you, yeah, you just try to get creative so that it's a little bit more engaging and not just sit and listen to us 
teach and preach. And, yeah. you know, Adam and I are both teachers, so our poor kids have to sit through some monologues sometimes. But, um, <laughs> but you do try to be creative with that. But I think a lot of it too is we would use, Adam and I met with people all the time, and, and we would be careful what we shared with our kids about who we're talking about or, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't say names or whatever, but um, we would have a conversation with someone and just see. So the, as a child, you don't always see what the future holds, right? With the progression of what someone is believing. Mm-hmm. But when you meet with someone and then you hear their story and you see how the lies of the culture, the lies of, of what they tell themselves, the lies that, uh, that curriculum or whatever around them is teaching them how those just kind of come out and decisions that they've made because they believe that was true. If I do this, I'll be okay. Right. Um, And those come out and then they find themselves in deep darkness, whatever that is. And so we would often, when we've when we were moved by someone's story and met with someone and pointed them to Christ, we would share those with them appropriately mm-hmm. and just say, man, someone who believed this to be true and where they are today, and just kind of give those as examples of talk to them about. It. It's like, guys, like Jesus is really the only one who knows what is true and what is good and what is right. And, and he, he guides us in everything, you know, just kind of tell stories as we could mm-hmm. of people that we're ministering to. But also I would say they saw it in their own schools. they a lot of their friends. Well, our daughter, I don't know that any of her friends who were not Muslim, their parents, that they were together. Mm. Um, they were all from broken families. Wow. And outwardly, they were all happy and they seemed really fine. And, mm-hmm. you know, they enjoyed the, they would just say, oh, you, you they go to their therapist, you do your, um, you know, you continue to live life the way you want to live and you have your money and you have your resources, you can go on your vacations. So outwardly, every, everything seemed fine. But when you actually sit and talk to them or they've been in their homes and they would see, yeah, they don't have mom and dad together. You know, Christmas time, it's complicated, you mm-hmm. know, or um, one family, they had a mom and the the dad was apart, but then the dad had a girlfriend, the mom had a boyfriend. It, it just got really complicated in terms of family vacation and they would go together and it was awkward. And, you know, and so they would yeah. see these things and realize, oh, this isn't how our family is like. Yeah. And ours is very peaceful. And I mean, not perfect, obviously. Right, we would right. fight and argue, but it was not complicated. Mm. And just even the truth lived out how good that is. Mm-hmm. I think that spoke very, mm-hmm. very much to that as well. Yeah. You know, one of the, the pictures or the phrases that that Germans use when they talk about family, and it really applies to to their culture too, is they talk about patchwork family, uh, the idea of, of a quilt, right? You're you're taking different pieces that maybe don't fit together initially, and you're connecting them together into this beautiful picture, yeah, or like a mosaic or a, a quilt or something where. Where that happens, um, and yet in reality, the way they they talked about it or lived it out was kind of like a. You got the feeling it's we've made a mess of things, but everything's going to be okay. Mm. And the reality is, we know and we experience, and so did they eventually. That in and of itself, it's not going to be okay, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to to work out, right? When we're 
unfaithful or dishonest or when we, in our sin, because we're all fallen, when we hurt other people, um, that doesn't just get fixed, right? Yeah. And and we really need the Lord to fix that, yeah. right? We need truth to come together to to meet us where we are and, and meet us in those situations and and bring wholeness and bring healing to those situations. So as Which we, is also a beautiful thing that our kids could see, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's not yeah. despair in that, right? Right. Because right. <laughs> they're they're probably seeing like my question is where do these people who live in this culture who don't know the, who don't know Christ as merciful, who don't who don't know anything as like I can have a fresh start, where do they run to for medication or where do they run to for I guess just the comfort of it's going to be okay. Like, where does that? Like, where do they go? And yeah, and they yeah. and they go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. everything right? you can imagine. And you try everything, mm-hmm. right? And and we just Bethel and I just had the opportunity to speak with uh, friends of ours from Germany. In fact, they were the first ones, a couple who came to faith through the church we planted in Cologne mm-hmm. uh, in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and. They, Rolf and Susanna, um, dear, dear people, they were, they had been on a years long search for mm-hmm. truth and for purpose, for meaning. And, you know, some people are looking for, for it like that, you know, that merchant looking for that pearl, right? Right. And they had tried everything, Eastern mysticism and um, humanism and, <laughs> yeah, and, Krishna, uh, yeah. and they had, they had tried Stop everything. That. And when they met Jesus... I think the first the, the first barrier was wait this thing that's you know in their minds was like that's that's the church tradition we heard of when we were young mm-hmm. you know whatever um, you know church tradition you know they had they had been raised in which which wasn't in this case at least full of life and, and truth it was just more religiosity yeah. and so I think that was a big barrier for them at first saying wait we expected to find the answer anywhere except for in Jesus. But when they found it in Jesus, they realized this is something worth giving up everything for. Mm. And and so I think, you know, as we're interacting, and I think all of us do, right, as we're interacting with a world that's that's lost and in desperate need of hope and truth and meaning, you know, as we can live out that meaning and that hope and that purpose we have in Christ, right, authentically around people that, that we're with, as we can be intentional about that, um, they're going to see it, right? Yeah. Not all of them are going to choose it, right? But some are, yeah. right? The ones, the ones where um, they're ready to, to follow Jesus and, mm-hmm. um, and to see the hope and purpose even now, you know, 17 years later, <laughs> you know, 18 years later mm-hmm. uh, from when we met this couple, we talked with them today and they're still learning and growing and excited to serve the Lord mm. and praying now for their for their family and their friends to to find that hope and purpose in him as well. And I mm-hmm. think what going back to the whole thing with the kids and truth or you know, how do we fight against the lies of the culture and our kids saw people being transformed. You know, they they saw these were people in our home and uh Again, we would share the stories appropriately where it was appropriate to share, but then they would even just come and meet them and hear their stories. Yeah. And 
and uh, and see the transformational power of Christ in the lives of these people. And I think that it there was there was it was it wasn't black and white. I don't want to say that, but it didn't get muddied with Christianity that was weak, if I can say it that way, or Christianity yeah. that was maybe watered down or cookie cutter or you know. Yeah. Of, I mean, I guess. Mm. I guess uh, lukewarm. I yeah, mean, lukewarm. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, yes, that's yeah. the right term. Or there's there's a verse in the Bible that talks about there will be people who will believe in in God, but they will not believe in the power of God, mm. right? Like So so there's a belief there that, okay, there's a God somewhere out there, but the, yeah. the transformational power of Christ is gone. And, and that to me is almost scarier than... Than having um, where you see deep darkness, that's also very scary. Yeah, but you know that the power of Christ is there to walk you yeah. through that. Yeah, and that's to me that's like the a theme of Europe that I see is like yes, this is a place where, and this is why we go. I mean, this is a place where a lot of people may have an understanding of God because or an idea of who God is because of a beautiful cathedral in their town that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. There's no real depth and there's no mm-hmm. relationship. There's no, wait, I can actually have this peace mm-hmm. in Christ. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. It was really surprising me to why Europe is surprised me. I can tell you a couple of stories, but I'll just tell one mm-hmm. of one woman. I remember talking to her and and she was brought up in one of the churches there and uh, not an evangelical church, but one of the state churches. There's no separation of church and state in Germany. I don't know yeah. if you knew that. But mm, um, that. but she, I mentioned something about King David. And I just, you know, I just flippantly mentioned it. And she goes, who? I was like, you know, King David, you know, the Psalms and, you know. Yeah. And David, David and Goliath. David and yeah. Goliath. And she's like, well, David and Goliath, that sounds familiar. And I was, I just figured of all people, because she was, she was actually brought up in, well, I don't know that she went that regularly, but more so, right? She yeah. was more so brought up in, and she didn't even know who that was. And mm. and we opened up the scriptures together and she would, I mean, she was moved emotionally and she would tell, wow, this is a great story. She had never heard of David and Bathsheba. She's like, what's that about? You know, <laughs> yeah. it, just, it just floored me. I'm. It, I would have moments like that, and I'd be like, "This is why." Every once in a while, you do wonder, "Why am I in Europe?" Yeah, you know, you do wonder sometimes. I, yeah. I did at least because I bet. because they all seem okay. Not all of them, but you know, as you're going about life, right, right, they have materially what they need. At least I mean, right. I'm talking about Germany. Maybe not everywhere, but yeah, you know, they have a lot of things that they need. They seem content. They have mm-hmm. their you know their parties and beer, and they seem happy. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'm happy with them. You know, yeah, of course. But then when you yeah. really get to know their hearts and you and you talk to them, you realize, wow, they are so. They're searching. Not all of them, but They're people searching. are searching. Yeah. right. Every I think everybody's searching for something greater than themselves. Yeah. Maybe some people have found it in these other methods or things, but I feel like many wander yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so y'all were in Germany for how many years? 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. 16 yeah. years together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were, were you in the same, in the same city for those 16 years? No, the first five years we were in uh, Southern Germany near okay. Black Forest Academy. Yeah. And then the last years we were in Cologne, Germany, mm. uh, which is, Mm-hmm. Kind of halfway up 
from a north south perspective on the yeah. west on the west side yeah a city of about a million people yeah mm-hmm. wow so in black fort and condurn is way smaller yeah and yeah it's like a city of 2000 yeah. three, three yeah. and a half very and quaint half, like really yeah. beautiful architecture i'm sure there's beautiful architecture in cologne too yeah, but i'm sure very different very different like uh living so obviously so did you have your kids before you went to the mission field or did you have your kids while you were on the mission field? So Jacob was one year old when okay. we went to Germany in the first place. Mm. And then the other two were born there. Okay, yep. gotcha. And Lörrach. In, in where? Lörrach. Sorry. Expressive kind. <laughs> yeah. Ex- no. Lorach. No, I'm Lor- kidding. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what would you say to somebody who is hesitant or really excited about, you know, taking kids overseas? You know, what maybe they have questions or maybe they are about to do this and launch overseas with a family? Like, what, 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 what's your advice or encouragement or words that you would if say? If the Lord is calling you, it's it's a great adventure. There are beautiful things about Germany, too, that moving from our culture here, um, at least talking about the States, um, man, it's a very, uh, well, family-oriented in the sense of you have holidays that are actually hot. Life is slower there. Yeah. There's other pressures here in the States. So there yeah. are beautiful things about raising your family in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the things that while they're different and there are things that are maybe more difficult, there are also beautiful things that make it easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you've got to embrace those gifts that yeah. they offer there. They are, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful people. Um, and yeah, so you just have to embrace those positive things, I think. Yeah, and if God is calling you to Europe, he will take care of you. Mm-hmm. He will take care of your kids. And sometimes he takes care of that through your intentionality, Yeah, right? We, we can't yeah. just wash our hands and shirk our responsibilities yeah. as parents. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely God, not. it's yours now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I wouldn't trade my own experience as a missionary kid for anything. Wow. And I wouldn't trade my experience as a parenting my kids and their experiences. I mm-hmm. feel like it's it's made them who um, who they are. God has used it to shape them, and uh, they are equipped to serve Him and follow Him. Yeah. And you know, there are challenges anywhere you are yeah. when it comes to raising your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a marriage, doesn't matter what where you live, right? Right. You know, we're we're sinful people. Yeah. We're we're prideful, right? Yeah. We need to work through those things and. And learn and grow right yeah. together, but same as same as with your kids. And yeah. Yeah. man, if if God's calling you, we we talk about there's no safer place to be than in the center of God's will. Kind of a little cliche right. sort of thing, right? Yeah. But, but ultimately, it's true, right? And there's no better place for our kids to be than where God calls you as a family to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and the truths that we hold on to, no matter to raise a child, no matter where you live, that they're the same, right? Maybe the the method and what you need to do is different, but the truths are the same. Yeah. Right? You pray for your children, you invest in your children, mm-hmm. you intentionally find people to invest in your children. Mm-hmm. You you know, that doesn't change. You it's just location is different. The challenges maybe in that location are different, but it's still true. If you're not praying in a in a location full of Christians and a Christian school and uh whatever, if you're not praying for your children and and equipping them and training them and discipling them, then it doesn't matter what their environment is. I don't think. I think it really, those truths are the same no matter where Mm -hmm. you live. We need to love our children. We need to love our spouses, Mm -hmm. right? The way a man loves his wife and 
and and the woman loves her husband and and that relationship and we can I think that's the greatest gift you can give to your children as well. And that doesn't matter where you are, mm-hmm. you know. Of course challenges are different, yeah. but that yeah. truth is still the truth. Yeah. Yeah, so it comes back to calling. I mean, if the Lord is calling you to go, it's you're going to be okay. Man, yeah. it's an adventure. So yeah. worth it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for your perspective. Uh, really fun episode. I mean, yeah, just great wisdom. So, yeah, thank you guys for your time. Yes. Adam, would you? You do a great job. Yeah. yeah well, thanks Nathan. for the opportunity and yeah. uh, blessings to everyone who's who's listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Would you close us in prayer? Auf Deutsch, bitte. Auf Deutsch. <laughs> Jawohl. <laughs> Ja, lieber Vater, wir danken dir vom ganzen Herzen äh, für deine Liebe. Herr, wir danken dir ähm, für dein Wort. Wir danken dir für die Weisheit durch deinen Heiligen Geist. Und ich bete für jeden Einzelnen, der ähm, zuhört, der zuschaut, Herr, dass du einfach weiter am Wirken bist, Herr, ähm, dass jeder von uns mehr in deine Nachfolge wächst. Schenk uns Weisheit, schenk uns ähm, Mut, schenk uns Frieden und Freude in dir. Im Namen Jesu. Amen. Man, what an incredible perspective from Bethel and Adam just on the value of family on the mission field, their perspective as missionary kids, growing up as pastors' kids and in ministry. You know, a lot of times in our culture, we see a negative outcome because of situations like this, but their story is really encouraging to me. And as always, we want to thank you again for listening to the Why Europe podcast, where we believe if we can reach Europe with the gospel, we can reach the world. Thanks so much for joining us today. Until next time.